You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. So good to be together and good to be together and great to uh, be able to continue in the study of the Gospel of John. We're, as I said, you know, we are, we're in the heart of it. Here we go. We're, we're, you know, chapter 13, 14, 15, halfway through 15. We got 16 and 17 to go in this final discourse of Jesus where he tells us so much and we learn so much about who he is. We learn so much about what it, our relationship is with him, how he sees us, and how we work together as um, his people. So uh, yesterday we got as far as uh, verse 8 in chapter 15, and ending there, it says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Um, he, he ended that section, and, and what happens is, is you know, 5 through 8, is about abiding in Jesus like the vine. Now, here we go into to, uh, uh, verse 9, and the next section is really about abiding in his love, you know, and remaining in his love. I'm, I'm using an old word, abide. I like that word because it's a little more specific. I mean, it's now translated as remaining. It's same idea. It's that this is where I live. This is where I exist. This is where I practice my religion where my faith comes in and this is who and what I am. So, so it's, it's, uh, the, the, the modern concept, which actually dates back to classical concepts is my ethos, right? My, my practice, my way of being. Um, and if my way of being is connected to Jesus, then he just talked about all that will happen. And now he launches into if my way of being is connected to his love. And, and in, in his love, really, he says, he says, he says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, just that from the beginning, you know, I mean, we, we read through a lot of scriptures quickly and sometimes we have, we, we don't realize how deep that runs, how intense that is, that as the father has loved him, and you have to remember, this is, we're talking the Trinity. We're talking the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit being one and in perfect harmony and in perfect love with each other. So have I loved you. So he, he's telling us something huge, you know, that, that, that as I love my family, I love you. To say that would be big. It'd be significant. You know, that that's how deep this love, this commitment runs. And he's saying, you know, as as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love or abide in my love or be, exist in my love. Let your being be in the love of Christ and the love of Jesus. And that's a, that's. As I talked about yesterday, that's an intentional lifestyle. That's an intentional way of being. That I walk in the love of God. I walk in the love of Jesus. Um, you know, there's a lot of Eastern concepts in the Bible that generally we, we, we've lost historically and shoom, fly right over our head because we're not Eastern thinkers anymore. We are, we're not anymore. Not that we were. We're Western, 
But Christianity is actually an Eastern religion. And I think one of the, one of the losses that has happened over the, the centuries is that a lot of the Eastern concepts have been lost. Not in all churches, uh, most significantly in the Protestant churches, but uh, in the Orthodox Church, for example, um, there's still a lot of Eastern thinking, at least a lot of Eastern mindset. And of course, the Orthodox Church is probably mostly Eastern people or, or, or people that are close to the East and the, not the Far East, but, but uh, what would be called, considered the Middle East and Eurasia. So, so there's still a lot of that influence, that thinking, things like meditation, things like mindfulness, things like, uh, being in the present, being, being balanced. Um, we consider those Oh, that's what you talk about when you're doing yoga or, or if you're taking a class on Eastern philosophy. Those were all things that were at the heart of Christianity and, 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 and abiding in or living in Christ's love is living in awareness of that, being in that love, right? In that relationship. And he says, if you commit, excuse me, now remain in my love, he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Okay, if if we live this life in obedience to Jesus, it's like we put on Jesus. We are abiding in him. We are remaining, we are living our life inside his love. Inside that 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 uh I don't want to say cocoon, but like it's a, it's not a bubble, but it's more like I'm in this river that just swirls around me and bathes me and and I live in this thing. This is the way, you know, I'm on that path, so to speak, right? And he says, says, I have told you this. Oops, sorry, let me back up. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. And you see the very, he's very much attaching uh, our relationship with him, with his relationship with the father, that it's, it's a complete submersion, complete connection. It's, it's all that we are, right? It's all who I am. And, you know, I mean, this is, this is the depth of spirituality is becoming one with Jesus, becoming one with the Father as Jesus was one with the Father. And where we're really diving deeply into our relationship, our thinking, our passion, our hearts, our way of being, um, is, is, is completely immersed in Jesus. And, um, I love one of the things that, uh, St. Patrick was known for saying, you know, Jesus in the morning, Jesus at noon, Jesus in the evening, Jesus when I go to bed, Jesus when I rise up, Jesus all the time that he lived in Jesus. He, he abided in, in Jesus. And it says, um, he says, uh, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You know, I mean, he, he's doing this or he's calling us to this relationship with him, this complete immersion with him so that our joy will be completely filled. His joy will be filled and our joy will be filled. He says that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete or completely fulfilled. Or this is that word perfect, right? Of something completely developed. You know, God wants us to be full of joy, 
God wants us to be happy to be, I mean, any father wants his child to be happy, wants his child to be full of joy. And, and when he sees his child hurt, he hurts. When he sees his child suffer, he suffers. This is the Jesus who wept when he saw Mary and Martha weeping over, over Lazarus's death. And this is the Jesus who's saying, I want you to have my joy and to have that complete joy. And he says, he says, um, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And remember, we, we talked about this the other day that, that when he says this, you know, whenever I ask people, how did Jesus love us? They always say he went to the cross for us. True. Absolutely true. The biggest thing he did for us. However, this is the night before. So that hadn't happened yet. Um, so what did they think of? What was on their mind when they heard this statement? As I have loved you, how did Jesus show his love for them? You know, how, how, how did he communicate that love? How did he express that love? What was that relationship like? You know, and that's, and that's something that's absolutely worthy of meditation and thoughtfulness, mindfulness, and thinking about that as we, um, interact with each other. I mean, this is, this is not easy thing. These are not easy things to do. These are not, it's not an easy way to live. This is very intentional, very purposeful, very focused kind of life. It kind of lets, it kind of makes you aware why, why some people in history would go off to a mountaintop and join a monastery, right? So that they could just solely focus on this. So they wouldn't have anything else to worry about. Because this is so huge. And yet, that is not what God calls us to do. He doesn't call us to go to a mountaintop and disappear. He calls us to do this, practice this, live like this, in the midst of each other. And really, that's where it's going to have the greater importance, is being able to love one another while we're living together, while we're going through life together, while we go through our ups and our downs together. And and that's... You know, it's, it's, again, it's no easy thing. It's, it's a challenging thing. I mean, it's always amazing to me how easy it is for us to hurt each other or to insult one another or to disappoint one another. I mean, I try, I try, I try, I try never to say anything that's insulting or hurting that, you know, to speak the truth and speak it always in love. And, and yet I'll still, you know, say something in a class or in a sermon that, hurt somebody or get somebody mad, I'll get an email, I'll get a note or a text. And it's not at all my intention. And I know that if if trying this hard not to do that, how incredibly it is if you're not, how easy it is to do it if you're not even trying, right? And most of us are trying. We're trying hard. And I think that's why it's so important that we be in his love or in his grace, in his mercy. And we just have to be rich with mercy and grace with one another that, that we're just constantly forgiving and, and gracious with one another, abiding in his love. Uh, and, and, and this is his command for us. Love each other in the way he has loved us. Boy, did he overlook a lot of sin. Boy, was he gracious. Boy, was he patient, you know? And I mean, think of how many times Jesus must have been hurt or insulted by the things that were said and done around him. And, and yet he just continued to love. And that's, that's, that's amazing. 
That's awesome. That's incredible to be able to just walk through the valley of insult and, and hurt and despair and problems and issues and yet stay above it. You know, stay free of it by keeping our focus on God, our focus on Jesus and remaining in his love, remaining in him. And he says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know, he defines the greatest love. And of course, he's right about to go do it, right? And if we're willing to lay down our lives for our friends, surely we can forgive each other. Surely we can be patient. Surely we can be gracious. Surely we can be kind to one another. But he calls for the greatest sacrifice, which is to lay down our lives for each other. And of course, he's about to go do that for us, right? He says, you are my friends. If you do what I command, we have that relationship. You know, friendship, it's not the same as love. Friendship is different. You can love somebody and they're not be your friend, you know. But a friendship is a working relationship where you enjoy each other, you give to one another, and you work together, right? Or you do whatever together. Um, and so by obeying his commands, we get to be in a special relationship with him where we have a friendship with him. And it's even more. And he says, I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So basically he's shared with us or downloaded to us, put it in modern terms, um, what God has downloaded to him to distribute to us and to share with us and to give us all this knowledge and understanding that will help us in life, that will help us in difficult times, that will help us through life and all the ups and downs and things that, that we will face. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. And I mean, this is a very powerful statement. He says, uh, it's not that you chose me. It's that I chose you. What really matters here is, and, and it shows you a lot of God's perspective, Jesus' perspective. It's not that you one day decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to choose Jesus. No, what, what happens is that Jesus chose you and one day you responded to that. One day you responded to him reaching out to you, but he chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. We're appointed not just to be saved, but to save others. I mean, we are the rescue team. We are the first responders spiritually. We are the ones that are supposed to go and are appointed. When not, you know, we lived in, in New York on, on when 9-11 happened. We lived right across the river on the Jersey side. And, uh, I, you know, I, as we can all remember where we were on the day that horrible morning, it was a Tuesday morning, and uh, I ran up to a hill right by my house and just watched the towers burning and was just horrified and, and watched it all there. There was a crowd of people on the hill, all of us watching in complete horror. Nobody said a word. Of course, like many, I jumped in my car and went down to go help and to be a volunteer. And before I even got there, they were saying on the news, do not drive down to the city. Do not go near Manhattan. 
They have too many volunteers already. They have all the people they need. Everybody's being turned back. And the truth is they, they closed down the bridges and the tunnels anyways. But, but they, they said, don't, don't, don't bother coming down. And it was days for days. I tried to, and, uh, and you know, and it was, but the people that were allowed to go in were the people that had been appointed to go in and help. They were the ones that were asked to help. And they had previous training. They had been, a lot of them registered with the Red Cross already. They were appointed helpers. So God has appointed us to be a helper. He does want us to go into the disaster zone of wrecked families, wrecked marriages, and wrecked lives. And, and we are the ones appointed to go in and bring the gospel and bring the spirit of the Lord and, and bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, of helping people to learn about God and to know Jesus and follow him. That we are appointed, absolutely. Remaining in him, he fills our love tank so we can go out and love people and that will bear fruit. Just love this people, the, you know, the, the fruit is what comes out of the love. That's why we remain in him and we remain in his love because you could think of it as love is the water that's that we're feeding the plant to bear fruit, right? And he says, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, you know, and this is um, probably one of the most little, <laughs> just a little sentence, but boy, does this have a huge significance. You know, that we're not talking about just convincing people or, or, you know, somebody getting frightened of hell and joining the church or somebody, you know, they're tired of their life and they, you know, make emotional decision to join church. That happens a lot. And those people don't make it. They don't last very long and they do fall away. They do lose their faith. They lose their, their stand. No, this is fruit that will last. In other words, that we help them to also abide in Jesus or plug into him, that we help them plug into his love, love, and we help them to be able to learn how to live in that love and walk on the way, in the way, right? So that they make it a long way. They make it all the way, right? Um, it, what good does it do to go out and help a whole bunch of people and they don't last and then they turn around and leave? And obviously, we've seen that happen, and it's heartbreaking. I mean, it just breaks our hearts every time we hear about so-and-so left, or so-and-so's not going to church anymore, so-and-so doesn't believe in God anymore. And it's going to happen. I mean, it happened to Jesus. It's going to happen, you know, to to everybody. But as much as possible, we want to teach people to abide in Jesus and to abide in his love so that they will last. I remember, um, you know, I'd been a Christian one month. And I, uh, I got noticed that my mother was, she had, she had come down with cancer and, and, um, and it just was shocking to me. And I kind of pulled a Forrest Gump. I just took off. I packed my bags. I talked to the brothers and nobody said, don't go. They just said, you know, find a good church of Christ to go to while you're up there, you know, and I went up there and I ended up spending a year up there and, and this was in Sacramento and I went to, you know, different churches of Christ. This was a long time ago. We didn't have the, our congregation up there, the Sacramento Church of Christ. We did, or Metro, I think it's called the Metro, I think it's called the Metropolitan 
Sacramento Church of Christ, something like that. But anyways, it wasn't there yet. It wasn't planted yet. So I was looking for good churches. And um, and I remember, you know, after about a year, I started to struggle. I started to struggle, and and there was some political stuff happening with the churches there, and and they were saying stuff about where I became a Christian in the San Diego church. And so I came down to San Diego to visit the brothers and ask them advice. And they said, bro, you need to pack up and come back home because things are getting crazy. And, and that was when basically the what would later become the International Churches of Christ. Back then we were called the Crossroads Churches. Um, and the mainline churches were splitting and they weren't they weren't getting along. And and so I came back. But the funny thing, the whole point of this was when I came into Devo that first time, I had like five people say, we thought you fell away. You've been gone. You know, and I, and I remember in my naive mind, my naivete of a young Christian, I was like, why would I fall away? You guys all heard me say Jesus is Lord. You know, I, I said that and I meant it. So I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Why would I leave? It was just my mindset, you know, that I'm not, I'm not going to leave. I made a decision. I said, Jesus, Lord. And, you know, my little private goal was that I want the last thing I say when I die, I want the last things that come out of my mouth to be Jesus is Lord. And I want to go all the way. I want to go all the way. And I don't want to stop halfway or three quarters of the way. What a crying shame. You know, somebody went almost all the way and then left the Lord. And when Jesus comes back, you know, he said there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, because some people will bail out. You know, it's going to happen. But but the goal is that we be fruit that will last. And we help people to live a life abiding or remaining in Jesus, remaining in his love. So we have that love. And he says, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Okay, he says it again. And he repeats this. This is a repeating theme. If there ever was a repeating theme. Love each other. This is, oh my goodness, this is so much on Jesus' heart. That we really love one another. That we be devoted to each other. That we serve each other. That we help each other. That we believe in each other. That we are gracious with one another, that we're kind to each other, that we're, we're, we're forgiving of one another, that, that we hang in there together, that we learn all that there is to learn about how to love each other with each other. That's just such a huge thing, you know. And this is, what is he talking about? He's talking about what's most important because it's his last night. It's the last time he's going to be with him before the cross. After that, he'll be the resurrected, glorified Jesus and everything's going to be different from then on. But but this is his last time where it was him and the boys and, and the sisters, because the sisters were always there too. And he's pouring his heart out. What is so important? That we love each other. And it's not a, boy, would I really like it if you love each other. Wouldn't it be great if we just all loved you? Nope, that's not what he says. This is my command. Not optional. This is my command that you love each other. So time is up. That was, we, we got at least, uh, let's see, about 
about eight more scriptures. <laughs> First time we got eight scriptures, so we're we're about two two or three minutes of scripture. But but uh um this is this is the heart of it, guys. This is good stuff. Take the time to pray about it, to meditate on it, and think about how we live this out. So God bless you, and we'll see you at the next study. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit metrolaregion.com.